Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the Everything USC podcast on Believe, the place to find a sports pop culture show for passionate fan bases across multiple platforms. This is Believe, every team, every topic, everywhere. I'm your host, Nara Wang, and for episode 88, Matt Zemek, editor of the Trojans Wire website, returns to the Everything USC podcast. Matt, always glad to have you on the show. Yep, thanks for having me back. It's always great to be on your program, Nara. If you enjoy listening to the show, subscribe, download, and rate it wherever you get your favorite podcasts, whether it's Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, TuneIn, and so many more. Or you can go directly to the website, Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com. On social media, find us at Believe Network. For me personally, I am on X, or the artist formerly known as Twitter, at Narawang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Matt, to catch up with you, Trojans Wire, whatever you guys are doing, where do they go? Trojanswire.usatoday.com and on Twitter at Trojans Wire. And uh, just, you know, producing daily content and following this uh, crazy ride that's USC football. That's, it's only going to get crazier from here on out. Exactly. The Everything USC podcast is brought to you by Bet Online, which is your number one information source. For all your sports wagering info with all the up-to-the-minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Football is back. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips with BetOnline's real-time updates on statistics, news, and odds. From week one all the way to the college football playoff and Super Bowl, BetOnline gives you access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. The second road game of the season for the Trojans was a heavily hyped trip to Boulder, Colorado for a Fox big noon kickoff versus the Buffaloes, and USC looked ready for it all by scoring the first three touchdowns of the game and having a 48-21 advantage with 2.14 left in the third quarter. But that's when everything turned as Colorado scored the final 20 points of the contest, and if not for some curious clock management on its final TD drive, might have had a chance to really take the Trojans to the brink of a massive choke job. USC with 498 yards of total offense, the first time under 500 this season, but Caleb Williams was brilliant as usual. 30 of 40 passing, 403 yards, six touchdowns, did throw his first interception of the season on a play where, again, maybe the one flaw with Caleb Williams is sometimes he tries to do a little too much and go for the big play when he has an open guy underneath, so he threw the pick. He does still lead the nation in pass efficiency, yards per pass attempt, and now TD passes with 21 on the season, and the performance got him named the Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Week. Leading receiver Taj Washington, 8 catches, 117 yards, and a big touchdown. Brendan Rice and his return to his 
former school, five receptions for 81 yards and two touchdowns. On the ground, Marshawn Lloyd continuing to impress 13 carries, 84 yards, and a score. Dennis Lynch, a week after making a career-long 53-yarder, missed his only attempt, a 38-yard field goal in the fourth quarter that could have stemmed some of the Buffaloes' tide in their comeback. The defense, we're going to get into this, just three sacks on the game against a team that had been allowing so many sacks throughout the season. One INT by Christian Roland Wallace, who also had five tackles in addition to his pick in the first quarter. But they allowed 564 yards as a unit, 6.3 yards a play. Mason Cobb led the Trojans with 13 tackles, two for loss in what was probably his best game as a Trojan. Bryson Shaw, six tackles, one for loss, but a tough day overall for him in coverage and missing tackles. Jamil Muhammad, John Benton, and Romello Height each had a sack to account for the three by the Trojans, but they allowed the quarterback for the Buffaloes, Shadur Sanders, to throw for 371 yards, four touchdowns, run for 50 yards, and a touchdown. Backup running back Anthony Hankerson gets in for Colorado and goes 16 carries, 74 yards, and a touchdown. The results drop USC to ninth in the AP poll, seventh in the coaches poll. So overall, after what you've seen so far, how worried are you, Matt Zemek, about the Trojans after this performance in Colorado? I'm very worried. Like, you know, can you sit there? And when I say you, I'm not talking about you, nor I'm talking about anyone uh, listening to this USC podcast. Can you sit here and say, you know what? Alex Grinch is going to figure this things out. Alex Grinch has this thing under control. He got this. Like, can any USC fan say, oh, that's fine. Alex Grinch will be able to get it done when it really counts. Like, can anyone say that with a straight face? I mean, just, you know, he doesn't deserve the benefit of the doubt. He hasn't earned the benefit of the doubt. And, you know, like, there's a chance that everything could work out the right way. But would you really, really think that at this point? I think the answer is pretty simple. Yeah, I mean, Lincoln Riley's saying the kinds of mistakes that are being made by this year's defense are different from last year. You know what? Who cares? Like, oh, different mistakes are being made? That's supposed to make us all feel better? That's supposed to make everyone think that the coaching staff has this under control? You know, a lot of people were saying this was like the Cotton Bowl. I think the more precise comparison was the Cal game. 34-14, USC had, was leading an inferior team by 20 points. And yet at the very end, that thing got uncomfortable. Cal down only six. USC having to uh, convert a third down with like two minutes left. The starters being left in because they couldn't kill the game off much earlier and put it to bed. You know, So that stuff is still recurring. And so you still have a team that relaxes, gets bored, however you want to call it, however you want to characterize it. That stuff was supposed to be gone this year. You know, 27-point lead midway through the second half. Like there should be no drama, none in the fourth quarter, and yet there was. USC had to recover an onside kick to make sure it won this game after leading by 27, and that, that is just completely unacceptable. And, you know, Lincoln Riley, I know that he doesn't want to throw Alex Grinch under the bus. He shouldn't. Like, you can't do that now. Like, you know, the time to be tough with Alex Grinch was in the offseason when you could have gone out and gotten a different defensive coordinator. But once he decided to run it back with Grinch, like, okay, like, he's your guy. And you're riding with him this season, so you can't just, you know, dress him down 
in public. I get that. But there's a better way of saying this, right? There's a better way of putting all this than saying, well, the kinds of mistakes are different. So it's actually not that bad. You know what? Just say it's unacceptable. We need to be a lot better. You you don't have to go into details. You don't have to rip Alex Grinch, but you can just say, you know what? This is not the standard. Instead of making these mealy-mouthed statements, these word salads, no one's interested in that. And so just say that it's unacceptable and we got to do a lot better. And that is why I introduced something new that we're going to talk about each week. The Grinch Gripe Scale on X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it. A few years ago, I had the Helton Hot Seat Scale to rank how hot by chili peppers people thought the hot seat was for Helton. So now I've got the Grinch Gripe Scale. So if all of you out there are familiar with the Dr. Seuss story that the Grinch character comes from, of course, I have three simple categories based on how you feel Grinch is doing. Is he stealing Christmas, which would be the worst thing? Is he just chilling in the cave? That's kind of your neutral about how things are going with the D. Or is he feasting with the Who's, which means everyone's celebrating good D. And obviously on the first Grinch gripe scale, the winning vote went to stealing Christmas. So hard to argue with that. And obviously, Matt, SC has national championship aspirations, Pac-12 title aspirations in what might be the greatest year of the Pac-12 as it's about to disband, which we'll get to later in the show. But can SC really contend for all the things they want if the defense doesn't shape up and is at least, let's just say, average? Yeah, that's the hope, right? Like, you don't need this defense to be spectacular with Caleb Williams and a Lincoln Riley-led offense. You just need it to be okay. You need it to be not bad. But, of course, in the second half, and especially in those final 20 minutes in Boulder, the defense was bad. Giving up 41 points, that's bad. You know, obviously the offense built up enough of a lead to win the game anyway, but that's not average. Like, if this defense can give up 30, if this defense gives up 30, to Oregon and Washington, like, sign me up right now. Like, I'll take that in a heartbeat. You know, and that's not great, but it's not terrible. That's basically the mandate. Don't be terrible. If USC gives up 30 points or 31, maybe even 34 to Oregon and Washington, I'm feeling really good about those games. But do we think that it's only going to be 34? You know, chances are Michael Penix and or Bo Nix are going to get into the 40s against this defense, and that really is going to reduce the margin for error. Let's remember, you know, last year, all of USC's losses were games in which the opponent went off. Two of USC's three losses were games in which the Trojans scored at least 42 points. They lost 43-42 to Utah. They lost 46-45 to Tulane. The offense did its job even in the games that USC, two of the three games that USC lost. And the third game was a game in which Caleb Williams got injured. So like, just give up you know, 35 points or fewer, like that is not asking too much. And yet, and yet, it's hard to have confidence that USC is going to give up only 35, only 34, 31 to Oregon and Washington. That That's why we're at a crisis point. Now, I will say that, you know, if there is an optimistic take, and like, like it's easy to be pessimistic right now, and I will admit to being pessimistic, but I will say that there is a way to view all of this with a certain degree of optimism. And that is that you look at how awful Utah's offense and Notre Dame's offense have been this season. You know, both of those offenses are really struggling to score. You can say pretty reasonably, you know what? Those two offenses are not going to exploit USC's defense, or at least they're not going to fully exploit Alex Grinch's defense. 
So like, there's reason to think that those matchups are favorable for USC. And if USC can get through South Bend and then the game against Utah, you know, you're 9-0 and heading into November 4 against Washington with everything to play for. And if you can just split the Washington-Oregon double stack in November, you're looking at 11-1. and And you're looking at the Pac-12 championship game and you're looking at having a real chance at the college football playoff. So that's the hope. The hope is that, you know, Utah and Notre Dame are not going to be able to threaten USC's defense at a really high level. And USC can still get to November unbeaten and find a pathway to 11-1. So, like, not all hope is lost. The sky isn't falling. But if you were to ask me right now, is USC's defense ready to beat Washington and Oregon? Got to say no. Like, just have to put the cards on the table and tell it like it is. Yeah, some big matchups still to come throughout this season. And so that is the worry for SE fans is that they're going through the soft part of the schedule early and still having their struggles. This is the Everything USC podcast on Believe. I'm Nara Wang. My guest this week runs the Trojans Wire website covering USC athletics for USA Today Sports, Matt Zemek. If you enjoy this podcast, you can subscribe, download, and rate it wherever you get your favorite podcasts, or go to the website, Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media, at Believe Network. For me, I'm on X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it, at Narawang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Matt, where do the people find out where you're covering the Trojans? Trojanswire.usatoday.com with daily coverage of USC football and USC sports. Hey, it's Mike Am of the NFL Network. You're listening to the Everything USC podcast with Nara Wang on the Believe Network. And now let's take a look at this weekend's matchup against the Arizona Wildcats. The Trojans return home for another Pac-12 after dark game. It'll be Saturday, 7.30 p.m. Pacific time on ESPN. and on radio, flagship station KABC 790 AM of the Trojans Radio Network. The Wildcats come in 3-2 and two overall this season, 1-1 one and one in the Pac-12. Their head coach in his third season there in the desert, Jed Fish, 9-20 and 20 overall record as the Wildcats coach. And he's had trouble with SC like many Arizona coaches in the last decade because SC has won 10 straight games in the series. That's the longest streak by either team ever in this series that SC leads all-time 38 wins against just eight losses, although one of those wins was technically vacated. Last year at Arizona, USC had a harder-than-expected time with the Wildcats. 45-37 escape in the desert. Dorian Singer, now a Trojans wide receiver, was then in Arizona wide out, and he had seven catches, 141 yards, and three touchdowns for the Wildcats in that game. The last game at the Coliseum in 2021 was a rare win for the Trojans in that season, 41-34. The last time the Wildcats won against USC was back in 2012 in Tucson, a 39-36 victory. The last time they won in the Coliseum You have to go all the way back to December 5th of 2009, a 21-17 victory back then. Some of the key people on offense for the Wildcats, 
We're going to see who they're going to have at quarterback. The starter, normally, junior quarterback, Jaden Delora, the former Wazoo quarterback as well. He's completing 69.5% of his passes this year, over 1,000 yards, nine touchdowns against five interceptions, but he missed their last game, a loss against Washington with an ankle injury. That led to redshirt freshman Noah Fafita making his first career start, and he was solid 27-39, 232 yards, three touchdowns, did throw an interception. He's got some good receivers, even though they no longer have Dorian Singer, but Tetaroa McMillan, Jacob Cowing have combined for nine touchdown catches this season. And then when you go to the opposite side of the ball, leading tackler is linebacker Jacob Manu, and their leading sacker on the season is Taylor Upshaw, the Michigan transfer. So they've got some solid players on the Wildcats, but overall, the talent gap, once again, much in the favor of the USC Trojans, but we've seen USC struggle with teams that are not as talented as they are. So, Matt, you saw that USC dropping again in the rankings, and they need to do something to maybe turn that tide around before they get into the tougher part of the schedule. What can they do in this game to shut down the Wildcats and not make it a game that all the fans are stressing late? Well, you know, the big change for Arizona is that, you know, with Jaden Delora being injured, their quarterback situation is new and and accordingly the dynamic on their offense is new. And you know, you know Jaden Delora. Anyone who's followed the Pac-12 the last few years knows how Jaden Delora plays. You know, going back to his days at Washington State before he came over to the U of A. And like he's spectacular when he's on, but he's absolutely awful when he's off. He'll make a lot of mistakes, a lot of turnovers. You know, he can make spectacular plays, but also he'll make really ugly plays. So with Delora out, though, Arizona doesn't have that volatility on offense. Now, it also doesn't have as much of a quick strike capability. Like So the ceiling is lower without Delora, but also the floor is higher. You know, Because when Delora is horrible, Arizona is a really, really bad team because it just it's a turnover faucet. And you can't shut it off. So, like, Arizona is not likely to make as many big plays, but also not as likely to cough up a lot of turnovers. So, Arizona is going to have a different approach. It's going to be more balanced. It's going to be more run-oriented. It's going to be more ball-control-oriented. And so, I think, really, you know, against Colorado, a team that basically doesn't try to run the ball very much, it's all Shadur Sanders. Colorado is trying to throw the ball all the time. Arizona is going to try to make an effort to run the ball. So this is a this is a game where I think the matchup for USC's defense is a little bit better. Like I don't think USC is going to give up 41 points. It's going to be around, you know, 30, maybe high 20s. But the problem for USC or at least the challenge for USC, I should say, don't allow Arizona to, you know, pound out first downs on the ground. You know, when you get into third and 2, third and 3, be stout against the run. Make sure that you don't allow Arizona to get into short yardage situations that it is able to then convert that would be the worst case scenario if Arizona can keep Caleb Williams off the field reduce USC's number of possessions that's really what USC has to guard against and you know this defense wasn't good against the pass against Colorado but USC's defense has been all right against the run I mean it wasn't great against Arizona State but uh, for the most part it's been pretty good against the run so this is a game where yeah 
let's be good against the run. Let's prevent Arizona from milking the clock, moving the chains in short yardage situations. If USC's defense can do that, I'm not seeing Arizona as having the big play capability needed to win this game. Like Arizona gave Washington a battle, and that was by Arizona limiting Washington's big plays on offense and controlling the ball. You know, a 31-24 final score, Arizona would love for the score in this game to be like, you know, low 30s, high 20s. USC, of course, you know, has an offense built to score in the 40s pretty much every game. So don't let Arizona muck it up. Don't let Arizona shorten the game and slow it down. That's really the main objective for USC. Yeah, Arizona comes in actually having only allowed an average of 19 points a game through their first five games. So a decent scoring defense so far. And they kept Washington, which is high powered to, I mean, I'm saying just, but just 31 points. And so they're going to need to try and do that again against SC. I don't know that they can do it against the USC offense, which has been so spectacular for most of this season. So I think we should just get right to it. Let's make our predictions, Matt, for this game and to recap how things are going so far on the predictions segment this season. I am leading my guests with seven wins against just three losses and two ties. My guests last week, former USC water polo player, Dr. Seamus Carr, and I had the players we believed in. I went defense with Solomon Bird, who had three tackles and a pass breakup. He took Brendan Rice, the third person this season to take Brendan Rice. And with the five catches, 81 yards, and two touchdowns, I'll give Dr. Carr the win there. For the game score, I had it 45-27 USC solid, but not covering the 21.5 point spread. Seamus thought it would be a big win for the Trojans, 55-10. So because I had SC not covering and the 48-41 final, I will take the win on the score and winner segment, and then in the prop bet, Nara's no doubter was that USC would have a combined seven plus sacks and takeaways. I was wrong. USC only had four with three sacks and the one interception. Sheamus's sure thing, he doubled down on Brendan Rice. He said Rice would have three touchdowns in the game, and he came close, but Rice only getting two, so no one got the win on that one. So again, I'm still leading the guess overall, so let's make our predictions here first. As always, the players we believe in. And this week, I'm going back to the guy I picked in the third game against Stanford. I think after all the talk about maybe SC needing to run the ball more, they're going to get the ball into the hands of Marshawn Lloyd more. So I am picking the South Carolina transfer running back Marshawn Lloyd as the player I believe in against the Wildcats. Matt Zemek, who are you taking as the Trojan player that you believe in? I'm going to go with Taj Washington. I think that, uh, you know, Dorian Singer, his former Arizona teammates are going to be focused on him. And also Brendan Rice, like Arizona knows Rice really well from when he played at Colorado. So they're going to focus on him as well. So I think Taj Washington emerges as the USC receiver who's going to put up really big numbers. You know, it's going to be interesting just while we're talking about the running back room. With Notre Dame, you know, on the other side of this Arizona game, it's going to be interesting to see if USC actually rotates its running backs a little more to make sure that Marshawn Lloyd is fresh for South Bend the week after. That's just something to look for. I don't know what the rotation is going to be, how the coaching staff is going to handle it, but there's something to keep in mind that you want your really big dogs to be fresh for the Notre Dame game. Obviously, if this game is close, 
closer than we want, closer than we hope. Marshawn Lloyd will get those premium touches, you know, pounding out important first downs in high leverage situations. But if USC can blow the doors off early in this game, I think they're going to try and rest Lloyd. And you might see more action for Austin Jones and maybe also uh, Darwin Barlow and Quentin Joyner. All right, so let's get to the score. I'll let you go first, Matt. Who's winning and what's the score going to be? And as I always mention, our sponsor, Bet Online, has this game with USC a 22 point favorite as we record this on a Wednesday afternoon. USC is going to look ahead to Notre Dame a little bit. So I do like Arizona plus the 22. I think USC wins 45 30. Remember, USC scored 42 at Arizona State and didn't even really play that great. Even when USC's offense doesn't play great, it still scores around 40 points. So the Trojans are going to put up another 40-burger. They win 45-30 to 30 over Arizona. All right, so Matt has the Wildcats covering the 22-point spread on bet online with a 45-30 prediction. I think SC is going to be mad about how they almost blew the game in Colorado. I think they're going to come out and jump the Wildcats, get a big lead, and kind of coast into a victory. So, I don't know. Maybe I'm being a little too optimistic, but I think they're going to cover. I'm picking 52-20 USC to win this one. So, we'll see what happens there. And then, in our prop bet for this week, Nara's no-doubter is that I think USC will score at least 31 points in the first half of the game. I think they're going to jump out quick, jump out often, and put points on the board. So 31-plus for the Trojans in the first half. Matt, is it still the Zemek zone? I need a name for your prop bet, and what's it going to be? Yeah, Zemek zone. That works. You stick with the tried and true. In terms of a prop, I would say, you know, if USC... If there's like a first half total, I'm actually thinking under for the first half USC team total, just because Arizona is going to try to run the ball and Arizona is going to try to control the ball. And, you know, USC might, I mean, USC's defense isn't going to hemorrhage big plays the way it did against Colorado, but you might see Arizona control the ball for like six minutes on its one of its first two possessions of the game. And then as USC's defense settles in later in the game, I think then USC opens it up in the third quarter. I think it's going to be a game in which the the actual the start's going to be slower, and then USC's actually going to pick up some steam in the third quarter. But like I don't think it's going to be a large margin at halftime. So basically, I think it's going to be the inverse of the Colorado game this week. Interesting. So the... Over under for the first half on bet online for the Arizona USC game is 37 and a half. So is that what you're going to go with for the Zemeck zone? You're basically saying you're taking the under for total scoring in the first half? Yes. Going to ride with that. All right. So to recap our predictions for the USC versus Arizona game, the players we believe in, I am going with the running back Marshawn Lloyd. Matt Zemek taking wide receiver Taj Washington. Game score, I've got USC big covering the 22-point spread for the game with a 52-20 Trojans win. Matt has the Wildcats covering, but USC winning 45-30. And in the prop bets, Nara's no doubter is that USC will put up a big 31-plus points in the first half. 
while the Zemeck zone is that the total is going to be under 37 and a half in the first half combined for both teams. So we'll see how that will all turn out in our predictions. And of course, this is the Everything USC podcast. I'm Nara Wang, my guest, the editor of Trojans Wire, Matt Zemeck. If you enjoy the show, subscribe, download, and rate it wherever you go to get your podcast or go to the website Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com on social media at Believe Network. For me, you can find me on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it today at Narawang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Matt, where do the people catch up with you and Trojans Wire? Trojanswire.usatoday.com for USC football and USC sports. This is Jamie Hagia, former USC women's basketball player and CrossFit Games athlete. And you're listening to the Everything USC podcast with Nara Wang on the Believe Network. Fight on. And finally, the final segment again, talking conference realignment. Matt, when you were on last year, we already discussed the USC-UCLA moves. So now let's kind of just go into the collapse of the Pac-12 as a whole. Oregon and Washington will be going to the Big Ten along with the Trojans and Bruins. You've got Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, and Colorado moving to the Big 12. The ACC becomes the All-Coast Conference by adding Cal and Stanford. And then the Pac-2 island of Oregon State, Washington State. How do you feel about the Pac-12 collapse? I feel awful. You know, I mean, USC needed to go to the Big Ten. Like, it's what the Trojans needed to do. And, you know, you have the whole... Pac-12 network mess, and you look at how incompetent George Klyavkov and the CEO group are, and like that's why USC left. So I'm not criticizing USC's decision. The Trojans did need to get out of town. But seeing all of this dissolve in a year when Pac-12 football is so fun, so interesting, so good, so deep, and uh, we're coming on a college basketball season when USC and Arizona you know, could have a really special duel for the Pac-12 championship i'm just really sad this is all coming to an end you know all of these matchups that we've grown up with here in the west you know usc washington and usc oregon in november that's going to be so much fun and you know having these night games at arizona state might be annoying but like they're interesting they've been a part of our lives like lane kiffin being tarmacked or on the more positive side the 2005 usc comeback from the 21-3 deficit against the sun devils this is the soundtrack of our childhood. These are the memories that we've you know, built as Pac-12 fans, as USC fans, and it's all going away. And it didn't have to, right? Because there was that $30 million per school deal in 2022. It was right there from ESPN. The CEO group just needed to accept the deal. Conference would have been saved. And no, like they listened to a nutty professor they said, oh, we can get $50 million without USC in the conference. And, like, that was just idiocy. And, of course, ESPN got angry. Of course, ESPN walked away from the table. Like, what were they thinking? This was all preventable. It was all avoidable. And it's really just a shame to see all of this stuff ending precisely when Pac-12 sports is in a really good place on the field. Yeah, after years of being derided, finally the Pac-12 is showing that it is a power conference and then it's all just going to go away. So after all of these moves shaking out with Pac-12 schools scattering across the country, 
Do you feel this is good for college football or even college sports as a whole? Not at all. I mean, this certainly isn't good for these athletes, you know, in the non-football sports who are, you know, like tennis players, volleyball players, like at Stanford are going to be going to Dallas to compete against ACC athletes who are going to be flying from Chapel Hill and Boston and Syracuse. Like, this is just insanity. And, uh, you know, I think that for a few years we'll go along with all of this. But, like, I would like to think that at the end of the decade, Nara, in, like, 2028, 2029, we're all going to just stop and say, you know what, this is stupid. Let's redraw the map. Let's have some sanity back in our lives. But obviously, you know, for television and and whatnot, like, you're going to see this wild geographical distortion you know, for a few years, but like, we don't have to live with this for 15 years, or at least I hope not. I hope that after several years, someone's going to say, you know what, we don't have to do it this way. And uh, we'll see uh, if that actually happens. Yeah, the issue is that the conferences run football and football postseason. It's not run by the NCAA like the other sports championships are. So the conferences are all just looking out for themselves. If they had been smart and wanted to work together, they could have made a new playoff system, made a semi-NFL geographically based division conference, whatever you want to call it, and banded together to keep things more regional and give people acceptable bids into a playoff system. But they're all looking out for themselves and their money, so that's why we're in the mess that we are. Because I think eventually we may end up with an NFL-type system and we go back to, like what you're saying, a geographic setup. But they're going to waste a lot of time doing it. And it's all because conferences run things in football. Football is what matters and draws the money. And that's what TV networks want. Am I right here? 100%, Nora. 100%. Nothing to add to all of that. So we're going to see how everything shapes up, but next year it is going to be odd to be doing a podcast about a Big Ten team in USC. But Matt Zemek, editor of Trojans Wire, always glad to get you on the show and hear your perspective on Trojan football and other sports. Always a pleasure to be on your show, Nora. I fully enjoyed it. For my guest, Matt Zemek, editor of Trojans Wire, I'm Nara Wang. Thanks for joining us for episode 88 of the Everything USC podcast, presented by Bet Online on Believe, the place to find a sports or pop culture show for passionate fan bases across multiple platforms. This is Believe, every team, every topic, everywhere. And as always, please remember to fight on. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.